My name is Jill Phillips and I'm the creator of Who's Shoes, a popular approach to co-production. I was named as an HSJ100 wildcard and want to help give a voice to others talking about their ideas and experiences. I'll be chatting with people from all sorts of different perspectives, walking in their shoes. If you are interested in the future of healthcare and like to hear what other people think, or perhaps even contribute at some point, Whose Shoes Wildcard is for you. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wildcard Whose Shoes podcast. Today I'm talking to Sarah Land, another wonderful person who's using her own lived experience to help others. Until a short time ago, I have to admit that I hadn't heard about Sarah who is the founder of the Peeps HIE charity. And now I seem to be hearing about it everywhere I go. Such is the nature of networking and very rewarding in the context of my strong belief that these inspirational stories need a much wider audience. It was Rachel Crook, a previous podcast guest, who first told me about Sarah. And so far, we've just had a short chat to get to know each other a little bit more. I can't wait to find out more today about the amazing work that Sarah is doing. I'll leave it to you, Sarah, to tell our listeners more about your charity, how it all came about, and what you'd like them to take away from today's conversation. Where should we start? Thank you. That's quite an introduction. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, I'm Sarah. I think I'm now mainly known as Heidi's mum. So I'm going to, yeah, I'll share a bit about Heidi and I think it's great you are seeing us more out there. So some people might feel familiar with Heidi already. She's seven years old. She's our only child. Born in March 2015 on Mother's Day after a really straightforward pregnancy. And for the first half an hour, things were absolutely amazing and then took a really yeah dramatic turn is, is kind of an understatement. And she collapsed while she was having skin-to-skin time. And that was the cause of her HIE event. So she went without oxygen. She had to be resuscitated. The room was full of people. And, yeah, it's strange. It kind of feels like it was a blur, but it also feels really clear as well as as those watching it happen to someone else. And that was really the start of our HIE journey, Um, we didn't know HIE was a thing. We hadn't heard about it. Naively, I thought because I'd got to full term in pregnancy that everything was absolutely fine. I didn't realise that such things could happen. Um, and she had to be transferred to a, a different neonatal unit where she was cooled. So we couldn't hold her for three days. We had an amazing team. The nurses, the consultants were all brilliant, but clearly it was a, a really difficult time for, for all of us. And we felt really, really lost. We didn't feel like we fitted in. She was a nine pound seven baby in a room full of very premature babies. Our families and friends hadn't heard of what HIV, we, we didn't really know what we were saying to people. When we were saying that Heidi was poorly, people were thinking, oh, right, she'll, she'll have a few days in hospital and then, then she'll be fine. But Heidi ended up with a really severe brain injury. She was having seizures. She was on oxygen. She was fully tube-fed. 
And she was a bit of a mystery, really. We still say now she writes her own rules because lots of babies like Heidi will have complications with organs. Um, and Heidi's body was fine, but her brain wasn't really, I guess is the, the simplest way of putting it. And people didn't know what to tell us. They just said we needed to wait and see. And, and that was the hardest thing. And we know that for lots of other families, that is the hardest thing, the wait and see. It's kind of, well, what are we waiting for? What are we planning for? And trying to adjust to that as well as adjusting to having a baby because we didn't know what to do. <laughs> and yeah, we had, we had eight weeks in hospital, transferred back to our local unit, started to do more and more cares for Heidi, getting involved with looking after and learning how to do things which I was reluctant to at first, I'll be honest, because it terrified me because I've got no medical background. I didn't want to touch the wires or the tubes or I was just so frightened of, of doing something wrong. But we were encouraged to get involved and gradually our, our confidence built. And it was while we were in hospital that I Googled HIE, which I think people say you should never do because Google can be a frightening place. And I found a, a Facebook group just for parents. And I think that was a real lifeline for me because I virtually met families who got it and, and understood what we were going through and offered advice. And there was always someone, even if you were online at two in the morning when you couldn't sleep, there was, there was someone there to kind of give reassurance and, and make us feel like we weren't on our own. And I guess as time went on, we thought, well, we you know, life settled down for us. It Heidi had and still has complex needs, but things settled for us. And we just thought, well, what if we hadn't found that group? What if people don't have Facebook? What if people aren't able to, to look for things? Where did they get the support from? And that's ultimately why we look to set up the charity. That feels like a really long answer <laughs> to the question. But yeah, that's why we wanted to do something because it's just such a difficult situation and families are going through this so much and it, it just wasn't talked about and we had to look for help and we wanted just to make it a little bit easier for families to get that help so we set up peeps no. and I'm so glad you did I mean it sounds a wonderful charity and I think anything that takes your own situation as you've done and that you know that fear and that unknown as you've described it so vividly and recognizes that there will be other people who sadly go through exactly the same what is it that you struggled with and what helped you and to try and turn that into something well not just try but you've achieved you know to turn it into something so amazing and that's why I want people like you Sarah on the podcast because it's just awesome and and the lemon light bulbs that I've got just listening to you the fact that you had that first half hour as a mum you think things are okay at that point and then the way you describe with a a large baby really on the neonatal unit and how different and odd that must have felt and all those different people in the neonatal unit none of them choosing to be there and all the different experiences that people have and then for the staff to know how best to help each family and then to know about things like your wonderful charity so that people get to hear about that as soon as they possibly can, rather than having to Google and discover and perhaps say, I wish I'd known about that. So, so many different aspects that 
different directions that this conversation could go in. Wow. Yeah, thank you. It it is strange because I still feel like someone's going to say, "What what do you think you're doing? You're you're not qualified to to run this charity or or to do it." I think lots of us have spoken about that. You know, kind of the imposter syndrome, and we know we haven't got that magic wand. We can't take away all the hurt for families. We can't stop things happening. But we, yeah, we do try and base everything we do around kindness and what would have helped us. And sometimes just hearing another mum or dad say, I, I get it. You know, we we know that there are brilliant medical teams doing all the necessary things to look after our babies. And, you know, I, I massively appreciated that. And I think you always end up with kind of your favourite nurses or the ones that you you build bonds so quickly with them while you're in hospital and I know we we hear lots of families who are saying you know they're desperate to get home but I was completely the opposite I didn't want to ever leave neonatal mm-hmm. because I felt so safe and so looked after and I knew that Heidi was really well looked after so for me the most daunting I guess transition was when Heidi was stable enough to come home that was the bit where I really struggled with the charity now we're finding because I guess I thought oh people might not contact us really early on it might be too soon where there's so many things going on you don't know what the next day is going to bring you're frightened about the future I thought people won't be reaching out to us but we found that some people are even in those early days families are contacting us because they're just so frightened they're looking for answers they're looking for reassurance but other families, it is too soon. And it might be when they get home or six months down the line or coming up to a first birthday or an anniversary. And that's one thing that we kind of try and encourage is to say, you know, where possible, give families the choice. If they have the information, they might use it or it might go in a drawer, but it's there at some point if they ever need it. So, yeah, it's just letting people know that we are there if or when, really. And I think that reinforces and everything that you've said then, just how individual things are. And even what you said earlier about people assume that going home, you'll be delighted. But actually for you, because Heidi, you you felt she was so safe and you were safe and you've got that support and that network. It can be very lonely at home, can't it? Yeah. And it's terrifying because we've only got Heidi, but I can imagine that going home with your first baby anyway is is a big deal and you know there's there's so much responsibility but Heidi still needed a lot of suction she's tube fed she needed medication we were me and Steve took it in two hour shifts because she needed 24 7 care so we kind of had to figure out our way of doing everything and there's no handbook no one was telling us what to do And you always question yourself. I think it's human nature, isn't it? To think, oh, I should be doing more or I should be doing something differently. And it it took quite a few months for us to really, I guess, just find our feet. But no one, no one was there to say, yeah, you're doing, you're doing a really good job or hang on in there or it gets better. And I think that's why we were looking to other families who were that bit further on in the journey, because they know how difficult those, those early weeks and months can be. And that's the power of peer support, isn't it? I mean, I know it jumped out at me when you said, who are you? 
are you qualified that were qualified to run this charity but i couldn't think of anybody more qualified than a parent who's actually gone through exactly you know who's lived and breathed 24 7 you know the love and the new baby and and all the kind of parental things as opposed to the professional medical things and it's how the two come together to support each other isn't it rather than who's qualified and who isn't because it's a different type of qualification definitely and like i said the the, the teams are fantastic in the hospitals you know we we were so well looked after but it's a different need I think that you can't have you know it's not one or the other it's it's both of them because lived experience it, it is different but I also am really mindful that my HIE experience is going to be very different to somebody else's and you know it, it is going to affect everybody in different ways or at different times and I guess what we try and do is offer support that suits that family. And that that could be different for everybody. That you know, there isn't the the one size fits all, but it's it's listening to people. And I feel like we're in a really fortunate position at the minute. We are we're okay and we can do this, but I'm very mindful that might not always be the case, you know. And it's it's just being in a good place at the moment and I guess looking out for each other. And that comes into all sorts of things, you know, in terms of if you're doing amazing good work, but then it becomes about one person and how to make it sustainable. And I suppose this is what I'm trying to do through Whose Shoes and through the podcast, perhaps to link people. It can be lonely being a parent in your situation, but you've built a network to, to help that. But it can also be lonely, perhaps being the founder of a charity and how do you develop it? How do you build it? What do you do with this situation or that situation? So perhaps I don't know whether you are linked with Yvonne Newbold and I've mentioned Yvonne Newbold to you before. And I mean, again, the links through Facebook. So she became part of the Facebook community accelerator program and getting support from Facebook to recognize the fact that she's got a network of, I think about 10,000 families now you know, how did she build that, but also how is she going to make it sustainable for the future? And I think with all of us, I mean, it's the same with me with who shoes, you know, if you've got something kind of like small, but quite powerful to try and look to the future and make it so that it goes on with or without you, you know, rather than all being about you. And it's hard, isn't it? Yeah, it, it really is. And it's, I think it's strange when something starts as an idea. So for us, we just thought, you know, we were surprised that there wasn't a HIE charity in, in our case. So we thought we'd try it and we weren't sure if it'd work. And then it grows a little bit and then it grows a little bit more. And then before you realise, you kind of think, oh, gosh, we, we now have got a charity and people are contacting us. And I just think there's a world that we didn't know about, but there's so many good people doing wonderful things and I guess tapping into that and joining forces and sharing things is is huge isn't it and yeah I think from our conversation last time I'm, I'm quickly kind of googling people and following people and <laughs> tagging people and it just it amazes me because I just think yeah it's that lived experience and sharing and growing and when you look at a lot of charities that's how they've started. So I'll tell you what happened to me last Friday so this is what three four days ago as we're recording the podcast so I was very privileged and got invited by Katie Cullum. And I can see you nodding. 
Yep. <laughs> so you didn't know I knew Katie and no, no. I didn't know that she knew you. And uh, Katie and I went along and she's been part of a communities of practice leadership scheme. And it was a kind of end of course celebration bash, which was wonderful and um, linked to the Q community, which I'm part of and the family integrated care project that I'm just starting with Katie. So you could feel all these networks coming together and each of the people who'd been on the course had made a little poster. So I went obviously and looked at Katie's poster and there she was talking about charity and you and the work that she's done around transition. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness. So I say to Katie, well, actually I'm due to be recording a podcast with Sarah and it was Rachel Crook who introduced us. Now Rachel's just become part of your professional panel so you might like to tell us a little bit more about your parents panel perhaps and the professional panel but this networking is extraordinary and obviously a question in my mind is how this all feeds into our new family integrated care project trying to bring these experiences into neonatal care and make sure that families are in an appropriate way in the center of the care for their baby and able to go home hopefully without being too terrified, even though, as you say, most parents are terrified taking a new baby home anyway. I know I was. Yeah. So, yeah, Katie and Rachel and that, Yvonne. That, yeah, that's wonderful. And, yeah, I didn't realise Katie was doing that. But, again, I've been involved. I've been fortunate to be asked to be involved in different projects and we've virtually met people. It's a shame, we, you know, we're, we're not in the same location to meet face-to-face. But... You just hear the work that's going on and what people are trying to do. And yeah, it's it's wonderful. But yeah, our, our professional panel. So yeah, Rachel is on that. We've got our first meeting this week, which is really exciting for us. Last year, we set up a parent panel. I said, I've got my experience of HIE. We know that's going to be very different to other people's. And we wanted, a, I guess, a better way of trying to represent all parent voices and make sure that What we're doing is the most appropriate thing. It's what families want. It's what makes a difference. Um, So we set up the parent panel last year and we've worked on things like reviewing our, the information leaflet that goes in our parent packs, for example, for, for neonatal units, because feedback was that people didn't want pictures in there of children because sometimes that was either triggering or made you think about the future a bit too much. So we're really careful about not using pictures. We're really careful about not talking about diagnoses. You know, we're not medical. We're not trying to be medical. And we wanted it to have a friendly feel so that it was just that reassurance for families. And we did that with our parents, which is huge because we now know that the feedback that we're getting, it's it's doing what we wanted it to do. And we then thought, well, actually, all of these families who've been touched by HIE are having different contacts with healthcare professionals, people in the community, depending on their needs and you know their outcomes. And we wanted to tap into people's expertise, people's knowledge, again, just to help us grow and shape what we're doing, but make sure we're doing things in the best possible way. So I'd wanted to do it for ages, as is always the way, just time was the the factor that that slowed things down but we'd had a lovely response when we advertised it so we've now got I think we've got 12 people on our first professional panel and that's a mixture of neonatal nurses physiotherapists people with a legal background and we're all going to come together 
working with the parent panel and hopefully make sure that everybody's voices are heard and that we're doing what families want us to do. Brilliant. It's exciting. Yeah. Brilliant. So how did, I mean, this is for my just curiosity, really. Why Rachel? What's your link with Rachel? It was through, I think my memory's shocking, but I think Rachel had asked me, I'd been involved in one of the study days online where we'd shared about what we were doing and we'd shared a bit about our background and about the charity and a lot of the contacts that we have are through Twitter. The power of Twitter Twitter. is huge. And I remember the very, very first study day that I went to, that was when it was face-to-face, so pre-COVID. And I remember one of the nurses saying, you need to get on Twitter. It's all about the hashtag. And I was thinking, okay, we'll we'll give it a go. (laughs) Yeah, it's steadily growing from there, which is, yeah, it's such a good platform for, for reaching people and for that networking. It's amazing. And I find that too. I mean, of all the social media platforms, it's Twitter that I've used to connect, build what I do, learn, research. And, you know, Twitter's got a dark side as well, but people sometimes only see a difficult side of social media. But my goodness, it's phenomenal, isn't it? If you use it well, I think, and connect with good people. Definitely. And so the likes of Rachel, because... We've had contacts before and when we first had a call, I was really pleased when she'd shown an interest in being on the panel because you think her experience is is vast. And then when you talk to people, it's a sense of you know people even though we've never met. It's, it's, yeah, it's just really nice. And having that opportunity to actually work together and we're all in it for the same reasons. We want to improve things for other people. And for me, there are sort of two almost equal threads in terms of my work at the moment, in terms of how, you know, I can see that this link with you and your charity and the parents and so on. So Rachel works at a Midlands Trust where we're starting to do some who's shoes work around children and families and supporting parents and looking at know, all sorts of different aspects. So general patient experience through to quite specific issues and Rachel has come through as a star of that already almost before we've got started and I can't wait to connect with her more and you just need that kind of like bubbly enthusiasm don't you and that deep caring so that's fantastic and then separately the more digitally based project that we're doing with Katie and a network from really across the country around using whose shoes to get people thinking more about what family integrated care really means in the context of a neonatal unit and to try and you know like you're doing really with your professional panel and your parents panel to try and look beyond the medical and to look at the different experiences and to perhaps you know just challenge in terms of different families experience so as I said, I've already heard your experience of having a full-term baby on the neonatal unit alongside the other people there. What if perhaps you're a disabled parent or what if perhaps you're a very young parent? Or So we're, we're going to be trying to think widely and bring all those voices in so that, you know, sometimes you can think in quite a set way about what that journey might be and you'd know more than anybody just how individual it all is. It, it really is. And I was speaking to someone the other day about the family integrated care side of things. And, 
you know people are being encouraged to do the cares and you know have that involvement really early on which is is brilliant but it was actually understanding as well that not everybody wants that yes and sometimes there are and I know I certainly was the same massive fears and it was I used to I used to avoid doing Heidi's nappy because I was terrified so I would always say to Steve, oh, you do, you do it this time because I just didn't want to or I'd be relieved if I thought, oh, maybe a nurse would help. Right, yes. So it, it's getting that balance because I think it's such a positive thing for family integrated care and I totally, you know, totally support it. But the other side of it can be those fears and uncertainties and sometimes you need that little bit of time to adjust to things. Of course. And I think also from what people have said, just the sheer exhaustion and what you don't want is it to, to shift so that you feel that you've got to do everything and you're less supported with that. So it it is, isn't it? it, it some of these areas are so kind of nuanced, really, in that you don't want to flip from one side to the other. You want to kind of work together to see how it comes together and how it works for individuals and individual families. Yeah, definitely. And so I think I think it's a real positive, but it is that it's yeah, you're right, it's that awareness and thinking people have different views, different experiences, different needs. And again, you don't always know at the time because you're in this completely alien world <laughs> and it's a shock. Yeah. And would it be something that I mean I find sometimes, you know, working backwards can be quite good, like looking at the outcome. So probably for most families it might be around going home in the best circumstances that you could feeling as empowered or as confident or as whatever it might be might that be the kind of goal that then everybody could work back from in terms of well how does that work for for this person or for that family what do you think yeah I think that sounds good I think it is under yeah what does it look like for that family yeah what, what are they wanting to achieve what do they want to get to because I think, you know, from families we speak to, there is a lot of pressure about getting to go home or milestones or various things. And if you look at it at a whole, that can feel really overwhelming. Yeah. Can't yeah. it? And I think just, yeah, it's the small steps. It's the getting there and heading in the right direction, even if it doesn't always feel as quick as you'd like to. And interestingly, that links with, I've just this morning had a conversation and involving Katie Cullum and talking to a couple of fantastic neonatologists and we were talking to them about our family integrated care project and we got into a conversation about just getting people to think differently and they were championing music therapy which I think is wonderful mm -hmm. and then like the different mindsets in terms of you know if the financial people turn around and say well in what way does that save the hospital money yeah um, yep <laughs> <laughs> and then you know, just these different, I suppose it's what Who Shoes tries to do, bringing these different, very different perspectives together. And actually that you can't necessarily quantify today the bed days or that that baby will definitely be discharged X days earlier or that you've got to perhaps be a bit more imaginative in terms of human beings. Mm -hmm. But also I would argue strongly, and I've got zero, you know, I'm, I'm not someone who can quote research papers all over the place, but if you get a family going home feeling bonded with their baby, empowered, happier than they would be, supported, 
then probably in the longer term that will save some money along the road somewhere well yeah and it's the right <laughs> thing isn't it that's, of course that's of course thing. yeah I, I get that there's there's got to be measures, but you kind of think what what's the right thing and what's the what's the best thing? And you know, we're very much about it's quality as well, isn't it? Right, you know, yes, if people want to get home, but it's doing it in the right way and having been able to enjoy some things. Cause the the bit I struggled with when we were in neonatal was kind of having conflicting emotions. So the odd time that, say, something happened that we found funny and I laughed, I then had this overwhelming sense of, I shouldn't be laughing. We're in a really difficult situation. And it's understanding that actually you can find enjoyment in some things. And, you know, things like music therapy, it's it's such a lovely thing. It's it's important, you know, that I get that there's research around the the impacts on the babies and the families, but it, it feels like a nice thing in a world of very medicalized things if that makes sense it so does I mean perhaps the measure should be if you look around and perhaps people are smiling more than they would have been without someone playing them that lovely bit of music or whatever but it doesn't have to be you know put on your excel spreadsheet and measurable in that sense yeah my hobby horses So, Sarah, I've realised we've had such an amazing conversation, but we haven't actually said what HIE stands for. And, I mean, obviously in the interest of not just using an acronym, although I'm sure people will have understood, do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? So it stands for, and I've still got to think about this, hypoxic ischemic encephalopathy, which in basic terms is a lack of oxygen to the brain usually happens just before or during labor but it can happen after as well like it it did with Heidi um, and it can happen in older children too so yeah it's a a lack of oxygen that that can cause injury. So thanks very much for explaining that Sarah because obviously it's important but far more important these conversations and to help people understand the effect on families and what we can all do to support. So the time has flown And I know you've got to go and collect Heidi, which is the most important thing of all. But this feels like an amazing conversation, Sarah. You know, I'm really hoping that people will listen to this because I think we've explored various ways of perhaps encouraging people to think more widely and think what it's really like for individual families and so on. So to finish, perhaps I can ask you, what kind of things would you like to see happen from here, Sarah? And how perhaps could our Who's Shoes projects that I've mentioned be helping with that? I think I think for me it's about listening to the different parent voices and understanding people have different feelings and, and different needs. And sometimes I guess people might not be able to express them, whether that's because of how they're feeling, you know, the place that they're in or language barriers or anything like that. And it's trying to really get to the root of what is the best thing for that family and trying to, I guess, have a, an individual approach thinking about the language that people use is is massive and realizing the impact that people can have you know one small comment seemingly small comment can have such a positive impact on people and that might be the one thing that they hold on to that day or that night and I think you know people people want the best and people can really make a difference and yeah just if we can help support anybody we also get the HIE events can be difficult for the professionals that are involved. We we totally understand that. 
and we yeah we are here to support in any way we can and open to ideas so yeah please get in touch well thank you so much sarah for talking to me today and obviously i'll share a link to the charity in the podcast notes and we'll ask everyone to share the episode as widely as possible i guess the key thing is about raising awareness yeah i think for for us awareness is that's the biggest thing reaching families offering support but yeah just thank you because from you sharing things we can just see even you know that's made a difference over a couple of weeks so yeah thank you so much and grow these networks and support each other yeah it's it's brilliant thank you so much sarah thank you very much speak to you soon i hope you have enjoyed this episode if so Please subscribe now to hear more of these fascinating conversations on your favourite podcast platform and please leave a review. I tweet as Who's Shoes. Thank you for being on this journey with me and let's hope that together we can make a difference. <laughs>